At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's hour number three of the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. For those of you that are out here on the West Coast listening live, a happy Monday to you and a happy National Championship Monday, Monday to you. In the second hour, I did wind up running through my pick for the national title game. Have no fear. I'm going to be refreshing that in the final segment where I give you guys just everything that I like on the board for this Monday in general. Along the way, we're going to be hitting upon some of these wildcard matchups that we have seen fortified now. We know exactly what is going to be going down there, so we're going to be hitting upon a little bit of that. Going to give you guys a couple college basketball picks as well, and we've got to hit on a little bit of NBA as well because we did wind up seeing a lot with regards to the NBA, and if you miss anything from the first two hours, vcin.com slash podcast. We post every single show, every single hour up there on there, so if you want to missing anything a little bit earlier, we've got you guys covered, and if you're looking for additional college basketball, Coast to Coast Hoops podcast I wind up doing every single day here at VSIN for the family of podcasts there. I've got you guys covered with regards to like Patriot League, SWAC, what have you action. So we've got you just with a little bit of everything here on the Sports Bang Network. But you do take a look at the NBA right now, and it's really intriguing what we've been seeing all season long because as we remember, early part of the season, under Palooza with the new rules, you wind up seeing bookmakers needing to adjust down their totals. It wound up being just a complete and utter underfest for the first part of the season. Now we've seen things reverse a little bit with the over hitting at about a 48% clip. We've seen a couple more unders recently, but something that I find to be very intriguing is that underdogs in general in the NBA were doing very well for a big giant time. But if you take a look at the last seven days, Home underdogs, they haven't necessarily been doing as much for you recently. They are now 9-9 against the spread. Favorites have heated up a little bit. They went 29-26 in the last seven days, and I do think that it's going to be intriguing to take a look at some of these trends moving forward because you are noticing that some of these teams, with regards to the offseason injuries, they are coming back as you wind up seeing really the biggest of them winding up being an addition on Sunday as Clay Thompson wound up being able to hit the floor for the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors were able to get the win in his return against the Cleveland Cavaliers by a count of 96-82. Obviously an under and a cover for the Golden State Warriors in that game. And I really do think that they are the class of the NBA right now. And when it comes to trends in general, because I was talking a little bit more about league trends, I would say that if you've made a lot of money on betting the Cleveland Cavaliers this year because they have been darn near the best against the spread team in all the NBA. Now, obviously, teams like the Phoenix Suns have been able to do quite a bit for your bankroll as well. But if you're taking a look at just a money-made 
sort of unit's perspective. I do think that it is probably going to be tailing off a little bit with all the injuries that they've suffered. Now Ricky Rubio being out for the year the last two weeks. You've seen them really take a little bit of a dip with regards to their production recently. Now, you've also seen some of these other teams that have wind up being able to rise back up, like the Lakers have been able to have themselves a nice little run here that has been very beneficial for them, despite the fact that they're just 17-24 and 24 against the spread for the season. They've been able to make you a little bit of money here in recent weeks, and I do think that when it comes to the NBA, it is important to be taking a look at things just sort of by a week-by-week basis and gauging how a team has been doing for the season in general, because as we know, in any sport, public teams are typically going to wind up going down a little bit more. Like in the NBA, it's obviously a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. I would stick in that vein, sort of the Boston Celtics as well. You take a look at the Boston Celtics and boy, oh boy, it's not necessarily been the world's greatest run for them. 2019 and one against the spread, but they have been very disappointing from a straight up perspective, especially when they have been on the road. So you've got those teams that wind up getting a little bit overvalued, obviously, when it comes to baseball. The LA Dodgers, even though they wanted being umpteen games above 500 last year because of their money line prices, they really didn't make you any money if you wanted taking the money line in every single game. You had to look for alternative ways to be able to bet on those games as well. But I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what we wind up getting from the Cleveland Cavaliers moving forward. A team that has been able to make you just a big giant bushel full of money. But I do think that there is going to be a little bit of regression when it comes to that team, when it comes to teams that we might wind up seeing progress a little bit I think that it will be interesting to see if you're able to see some of these teams be able to rise up as well a team like the Philadelphia 76ers that has been having a really rough run to begin the year as we're seeing it right now they're going to be playing against the Houston Rockets on Monday and they're finding themselves a nine-point favorite are the 76ers going to be phased by the fact that they haven't necessarily gotten off to the season that they've wanted and I mean, let's call it what it is. There's been a lot of distractions when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. A guy by the name of Ben Simmons is where you're able to start and finish with that. But when it comes to the 76ers team, I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what we get out of them. And, I mean, the Houston Rockets have actually played a little bit of better basketball here in the last, I'll call it, 35 or so days. They were able to go on a very nice win streak, a very nice cover streak. Now things have been crashing for this team a little bit more recently. They were able to get a win against the Washington Wizards a few days ago, but if you wind up riding this train into, I would say, the new year ever since we wound up hitting January 1st, it has not necessarily been as profitable for you. And when it comes to the NBA, it is a case in which I always advocate for in-game betting because a lot of you guys know me for my college basketball work. I get a lot of questions as to why I don't really do as much when it comes to the NBA, and it's because... When it comes to the NBA, you've got just a sport that is full of runs. Every single team, no matter how good or bad they are, they are going to be able to go on a little bit of a streak for you, whether they be the Houston Rockets, whether that be the LA Lakers, whether that be the Milwaukee Bucks, list goes on and on. At some point in the game, you're probably going to be finding the team that you want to betting on be in very comfortable position to be able to cover it. At some point, they're going to be probably looking really, really bad, and it's probably going to happen like multiple times during the game because, I mean, you can just see 22-2 runs come at a whim. So I think that it is really important to take that into account. But taking a look at the 76ers team moving forward, I do think that they are going to be able to do a good job of being able to right the ship, and I do think that they are going to be able to rise up. Heck, we're already seeing it. They have yet to lose since the turn of the new year. This is a team that is now riding a six-game win streak, and I do think that this is a little bit more for real. I think that they needed to 
find their bearings, for lack of a better term, when it came to not having Ben Simmons out there. Now, if you take a look at what they're going to be having on the floor out there for Monday, it seems as though Tyrese Maxey along Shake Milton are going to be out of the fold, but you still have Seth Curry who's been able to do a solid job, and just whenever Tobias Harris has been fully healthy and firing all cylinders, it has been a relatively solid Sixers team both this season and ever since he wound up getting to Philadelphia. He's been having a little bit of a down year when it comes to the three-point shooting, but so has been able to contribute in other ways. He's really been doing some of the best rebounding that I've ever seen out of him. Seven and a half boards, and he's become a little bit more well-rounded with four assists per game. So that's taken a little bit of the pressure off of this backcourt now. You're going to be relying a little bit more on Mr. Korkmaz along with Isaiah Joe, but I do think that this is a for real 76ers team. I don't know if I'd be wanting to lay nine in this game, though, because like I mentioned a little bit earlier, when it comes to in-game betting, a lot of places, they are going to charge you a little bit more juice, but I mean, rather than laying a nine, if the 76ers get down, like, let's say, 26 to 19 in the first quarter, you're able to get a very nice discounted number on that. Rather than laying nine, maybe you're laying five, five and a half. Maybe you even get a little bit better than that. And that really improves your chances moving forward. Because I mean, what we noticed with bookmakers is that they do a very good job of being able to line the NBA. The problem is, it's just very herky-jerky and being able to get to those numbers that they wind up closing on. So you got to give the bookmakers a lot of credit for that. And the big elixir to that is just being able to watch these games, seeing with your eyes, okay, is this team doing a tremendous job of being able to drive the ball inside? Have they been able to find something that's really working on this defense or is a reason why they wound up getting out to that 26-19 lead because they're throwing up prayers or taking like step-back threes that are just so heavily contested. They've got five guys draped on them and somehow, way, the ball wound up going in and it's just not sustainable. You know that it's going to be doing for regression and when it comes to in-game betting as well, you do want to be doing your research a little bit ahead of time as well because so many people, when they think of in-game betting, they think, oh, I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to watch a game, and we're going to have a good time with it. And, I mean, you certainly do want to be utilizing your eyes and everything like that and certainly have a good time with it, but you do want to be putting in some legwork. You want to be seeing, okay, how have these guys been performing this year? Is there maybe going to be a little bit of progression slash regression to the beginning of the season that... Someone wound up happening. Like, I wound up throwing out there just a minute ago what we've been able to see out of Tobias Harris this year. It's been a less than seller three-point shooting season for him. Do you think that maybe he's doing for a little bit of progression? I think that that's something that you do want to be taking in count, taking into account. Doing a little bit of research before you do wind up throwing in there some of your in-game NBA bets. I do think it's something that is going to be very beneficial. We are also going to be seeing a team on Monday that... I am quite bullish on I do think that the Warriors are certainly the class of the Eastern Conference, but at the same time, when it comes to it, I do think that that number two team at this point is the Utah Jazz. They're finding themselves between a 10.5 to an 11-point favorite against a Pistons team that, let's call it what it is, it has been a hot mess for this team. They are very, very young. They're going to be looking to build around Kate Cunningham and company, so this is a team that is certainly looking towards the future, but when it comes to this Utah Jazz team, I do think that they have the goods to perhaps be able to wreck the apple cart out there in the NBA if there's a team that doesn't wind up representing the West that isn't the Golden State Warriors. I do think that it would be the Utah Jazz because this is a Utah Jazz team that they're versatile. They've got so many guys that they're able to rely upon. Now, as we know, Rudy Gobert has been going through health and safety protocols. That is a little bit of an issue. And by the way, a little bit of a side note here. If you're taking a look at what's been happening with the NBA with regards to health and safety protocols, you are just seeing some random dudes that are getting 10-day contracts, which is another reason to wind up taking a little bit of in-game betting. Because when it comes to some of these new lineups, 
Travion Palmer, he was the leading scorer of Chicago State. He wound up getting signed to a 10-day contract. We've literally got guys who went to Chicago State that are playing in the NBA right now. I don't know what universe I am living in because Chicago State has been so bad for so long. It's not even funny, but that's where we find themselves right now. But when it comes to take a look at this Jazz team, you've obviously got Gobert when he's out of health and safety protocols. But I mean, Donovan Mitchell really been able to step up for the team. Mike Connolly has really been a good stabilizer for a team that is full of a good bunch of guys that are in their mid to late 20s are starting to come into their own. So I do think that this is going to be a team that is going to yield value moving forward. Maybe not laying double figures here in this game, but I do think that the Utah Jazz are going to be able to have themselves a relatively solid season. What else is relatively solid is always being able to take a look at the NFL. We've got our playoff matchup set for the first round. We're going to be diving into a few of these next, giving you guys what I'm going to be taking a look at with regards to this next right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSIN.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game at VEASAN.com. As we're back here on the look at it is myself, Greg Eubes Pearson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. Wound up going through little bit of everything thus far. Going to give you guys a little bit more college basketball here in the final hour. Go through my pick for the New York Post as well. So we've got that covered for you guys. Going to be giving you guys what I'd like in the national title game as well. But as we all know, football, more specifically, the NFL always does reign supreme. And now we've got these postseason matchups all set. Did wind up going through a little bit earlier what I think of the Steelers versus the Chiefs game. But... We certainly have not hit on all these. And how about if we go with the early game that is going to be going down on Saturday? And ironically enough, the team that wanted playing the last game of the regular season, they're going to be playing the first game of the postseason. As you've got right now this Raiders versus Cincinnati Bengals game with a line of between six and six and a half. DraftKings is holding steady with a six, but you do have minus 120 juice on that. By and large, the rest of the market, I'm finding a lot of six and a half. And your trolling game, you're finding it between 48 and a half and 49. And when it comes to Cincinnati Bengals, I've been very impressed by what I've seen out of this team this season. When it comes to the Vegas Raiders, 
got to give them a lot of credit for what they've been able to go through. I mean, you got the Henry Rugg situation, John Gruden getting canned pretty much for the email scandal, everything like that. And then final game of the year, they wind up being able to get the field goal in overtime. They wind up being able to get the victory there. So I do take a look at the Vegas Raiders and I do think that that's beneficial, but keep in mind, the last time these two teams wound up playing, it was a blowout. The Cincinnati Bengals were able to win that game by three possessions, so they were really able to pull away late. And I take a look at this Joe Burrow to Jabbar Chase duo, and it has been absolutely tremendous for this for this team. Now, you take a look at the Bengals, and something that is going to be working against them a little bit is that they are a very young team. This is a team in which you've got Mr. Taylor, who's going to be coaching in his first game. Obviously, this is going to be the first NFL playoff game of Joe Burrow's career. I had to correct myself because if I would have said playoff game, well, he wanted playing in the college football playoff, and you know what? He did relatively well in those games, so we had to make sure to throw in there that disclaimer, but I take a look at this entirety of the Bengals team, and I do think that they're going to be able to get some good pressure up front. I take a look at this bunch, and I do like what I'm able to get out of Trey Hendrickson. Now, he was testing positive for COVID-19 last week. You got to figure that with the timeline, he wanted testing positive about five or so days ago. He should be cleared to be able to go, and that's a lot of this Bengals team as well. The defense was actually able to do relatively okay in that game that they wound up losing against the Browns, but you were without he, DJ Reader, and a few others in that front seven due to health and safety protocols. These guys are all going to be good to go in this game, and they wound up being able to cause quite a bit of havoc on the Las Vegas Raiders when they wound up playing, ironically enough, here in Las Vegas a few weeks ago, and I think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue for this team, the Raiders in that game. They just couldn't get a lot generated on offense, and when it comes to Derek Carr, he can be a little bit more of a hit-or-miss guy. I do think that he has really been growing on me a little bit. I've felt better and better with him as I've watched him, but this is the guy that he's going to turn the ball over quite a bit. During the regular season, he did wind up having 14 interceptions, so that is a tad bit of an issue. He's thrown an interception in four of the last five weeks, lone, ex- uh, lone exception being that game that he wanted playing against the Chargers, but this is a guy that gets sacked a lot too. At least two sacks in each out of the last six games. This has been a Bengals team that has been one of the best at being able to get pressure on the quarterback. So I think that that's going to be a tad bit of an issue. And you take a look at this Raiders team. They just haven't necessarily been able to run the ball much. Even in the game that they wound up winning a few weeks ago against, even in the game that they wound up losing, I should say, against the Bengals. Josh Jacobs in that game wanted turning the ball nine times for 37 yards. Jacobs just has not necessarily been as terrific this year as we've seen in the past. The Raiders have sort of had to mix and match with regards to their receivers in recent weeks. So that has been a little bit of an issue. Now, when it comes to the Raiders, it does seem like they've been able to rein it in a little bit more. You can tell that they were affected very much by losing Henry Ruggs. So they've been able to find a little bit more of their blend. And having Darren Waller back is very big, but... I could tell that just in that game against the Chargers, he wasn't necessarily quite at 100%. This is not the Derek Waller or the Darren Waller that we've seen in the past. So now you're going to really need to rely upon Brian Edwards, Zay Jones. Obviously, Hunter Renfro is good in the soft, but not a guy that is necessarily going to emerge for that big play. So I think that this really does favor the Cincinnati Bengals. I'd be willing to lay a six and a half here. If you're seeing a six right now, like we're seeing at DraftKings, even better. But I think that it is critical to be able to get in on a six and a half slash six because, I mean, I could see this game winding up landing seven. When it comes to total, 
the Raiders have been a really, really good over team, but the Bengals have actually been okay to the under as well. I don't necessarily have as much of a takeaway with regards to this total. If we wind up seeing a 49 and a half, then I would certainly be in on the under. I lean towards the under at a 48 and a half to 49, but want to be gathering a little bit more, especially with regards to the Bengals front seven players that we're dealing with health and safety protocols just to make sure there's no hiccups along the way there. And then when it comes to the other game that we're going to be seeing on that Saturday, that'd be Patriots versus Buffalo Bills. Bills finding themselves as a four and a half point favorite with a total of 43 and a half. And I think that this is going to be so intriguing because Bill Belichick has been able to see exactly what the Buffalo Bills wind up having the last time they wound up traveling to Buffalo. They wound up winning by throwing the ball a grand total of three times. I am going to go out here on a limb, and I'm going to say that we're going to see more than three pass attempts in this game, but what I think is just so critical for this New England Patriots team, you wound up seeing them get waxed by the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, and one of the big things for this New England Patriots team being able to run the ball with Damian Harris. I think that that is going to be just absolutely critical for the team with the New England Patriots. They wound up giving him the ball just 11 times in that game against the Dolphins. So he was able to have a touchdown, but for Harris, he has been dealing with injuries. I think that having him have a little bit of a lesser workload in that game against the Miami Dolphins along the game that they had against the Jaguars, I think that that is going to be very beneficial to them. You take a look at this Buffalo Bills team, and a big reason why they haven't necessarily done as much as many people expected them to has been because the ground game for them has been a little bit less than seller. Devin Singletary hasn't necessarily taken off the way that I thought that he was going to, and many others did as well. Zach Moss has not necessarily been that number two guy that I was expecting really liked him out of Utah, and he has just has not been able to blossom this year. And when it comes to Josh Allen, he's a guy that does wind up making some mistakes at untimely times, right around 15 interceptions for him, but you also take a look at the flip side, and this is a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones that now has to start in the postseason. Now, obviously, having played at Alabama, he's got a little bit of big game experience. So you got to figure that that's going to be a little bit of a lesser factor for he rather than maybe someone else that would be finding himself in a similar spot. But I think it's going to be critical for this Bills team just avoiding turnovers. It is so big, and it's why the New England Patriots have been able to have the year that they've had. They've just told Mac Jones, you know what? Don't turn the ball over. Our defense, they are going to be able to force a couple takeaways, and they've been able to do that, and they've been able to do that to a T. Now, when you, you take a look at both of these teams with regards to the injury front, you have to be checking in on the status of Emmanuel Sanders, and I think that that's going to be a very big one as well. You want to missing the game against the New York Jets. Now, the team was fine against the New York Jets, but I mean, the last time we wound up hitting the field against the New England Patriots, two catches, 20 yards. He has looked rather pedestrian in the last few games that he's wound up playing in, so maybe getting him that week off. It might be able to do him a little bit of good, and that'll take a little bit of pressure off of Stephon Diggs, who wound up having over 100 catches during the regular season. You did like the fact that Singletary, who I wound up just dogging about a minute ago, looked a little bit better in that game against the Jets, but once again, it was against the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. But I do like to see for the Buffalo Bills as well as that they were able to get nine sacks in that game. The reason why I've necessarily been so bullish on this Bills team is that They've had a little bit of an issue the last few weeks, last few years of being able to get pressure on the quarterback. I thought that Greg Russo getting drafted was going to help with that a little bit, and he wound up having a hot start, wound up flailing a little bit late. But with the Bills, I do think that being able to have home field advantage in this game is going to be big. You know that revenge is going to be on the mind for the last time that the New England Patriots wound up coming to wound up coming to Buffalo and they were able to get revenge in the second game. So you've got a pretty much one versus one in this one. And in that second game, Mac Jones, 
did wind up throwing two interceptions. So it is clear that the Buffalo Bills do have a little bit of the number of Mac Jones when it comes to the secondary. And I do think that the Buffalo Bills are going to be able to feature their ground game a little bit more in this spot. I take a look at it, and I do think that it is going to be a relatively solid spot for the under. I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to utilize the game tape that they wanted requiring of one of another in the first two games of the season, and they're really going to have their defense firing on all cylinders. And right now when I take a look at it, my early lean is to the Buffalo Bills. I want to take a look at what we're going to be seeing with regards to the injury front. Is Emmanuel Sanders going to be out there to be able to take a little bit of a load off for the Buffalo Bills? Is there anything that winds up popping up late with regards to COVID-19, what have you? But right now, early thoughts are towards the Buffalo Bills. I want to take a look, like I said, to see if there's a little bit more information. I encourage you guys to do this with a lot of these matchups as well because, I mean, the uncertainty with regards to some of these lineups, that is going to be very, very big. But as I'm seeing it right now, I do think that the Bills should be able to get the job done. I think that we should try to get the job done when it comes to college basketball this Monday as well. We don't necessarily have the most extensive card, but we've got some relatively solid games that I'm going to be hanging on next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network, as the show is The Look Ahead. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. You're able to catch all of our shows and listen to them on your schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast to be able to do this, and you'll be able to find all of our podcasts, like Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicapper, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, and we've also got something called Coast to Coast Hoops with Greg Hoops Peterson, which just uploaded a new episode 30 minutes and 29 seconds ago if you're listening to this live. They are all free and they are now available at visa.com slash podcast or every year podcast as it is a look at with myself, Greg Oops Pierce, and we're going to be diving into that in a minute. Have no fear. And games I didn't wind up hitting on this show with regards to college basketball, got you covered there on Coast to Coast Hoops. Every single game on the betting board, every single game. So everything from like Oregon versus Oregon State, the marquee matchups all the way down to if you're looking at Holy Cross versus Lehigh. We've got you covered there, so have no fear. But coming up, if you're listening to me live, you're going to have three more hours of myself. So congratulations on that. If you are listening to the replay of this, Follow the Money is going to be coming up in about 29 minutes, and they're going to have some great guests on there. Mitch and Paul, you're going to have Michael Lombardi being able to join them, Paul Snow, or Paul Stone, and you're going to have Billy Chappas and Ryan Coffey, the Survivor Contest winners. So those guys are going to be on there. I'm sure that they've got some great stories about how they were able to survive in advance and make themselves a whole heck of a lot richer. And I'll try to make you guys a little bit more richer. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make you guys a million bucks today. But at the same time, I do think that we can find a little bit of money here on this college basketball betting board. And sometimes the best plays are fades as we wind up going to 877, 878 on the betting board. UIC, better known as Illinois Chicago. They're going to be in the road, and they're going to be facing off against IUPUI. There's a lot of names that you can throw out there. I like EWPUI because IUPUI, or putting the PU in IUPUI because this team stinks. And right now, IUPUI fighting themselves a 7.5 to an 8-point home underdog against UIC, and your Talons game is anywhere between 124.5 and 125.5, and... I cannot take a shot here on EWPUI. I mean, this is a IUPUI team that I'm not even kidding here. Against U1 competition, they have yet to get to 60 points this year. 
It is January 10th, ladies and gentlemen, and this team has yet to score 60 points in a college basketball game, and there's a shot clock. That should tell you all that you need to know about this offense. You've got B.J. Maxwell, who is the only guy on this IUPUI team that is averaging more than six and a half points per game. I mean, it is absolutely brutal to take a look at. They're getting bludgeoned on the glass. They're committing 17 and a half turnovers per game, despite the fact that they're one of the slowest teams at all of college basketball. So, I mean, darn near 30% of their possessions, they're ending in a turnover. And you take a look at it, IUPUI has played one out of their 11 games to the over. There's actually one team that's actually been better to the over. That'd be Eastern Illinois. Boy, they're rough as well. But I did take a look at Illinois, Chicago, and this is a team that they leave quite a bit to be desired. And you do want to note with UIC, this is a team that they're going through a little bit of COVID-19 protocol as well. You do likely have a lot of your backcourt pieces that are normal that are going to be out there, but you do want to be keeping this in mind. We should be finding out a little bit more information throughout the day on this team. But even with that, I want to say Illinois, Chicago as a nine-point favorite because when it comes to this Illinois, Chicago team, well... They aren't IUPUI, so that's a very good place to be able to start with. And then you take a look at this Illinois-Chicago team, and what has really impressed me is the way that Demario Franklin has been able to take hold of the offense. He's been able to do a relatively solid job being able to give you 16 points, 8 rebounds down. It appears as though he might be one of the guys that wind up missing this game, but if he winds up being out, I do think that IUPUI is still going to be fine because you do have a guy in Zion Griffin who's been able to shoot relatively solidly from three-point range. He's been able to chip in there 11 points per game, so I do think that that's going to be very beneficial for this team, and I do take a look at someone like a Michael Diggins, who in past years has been able to give you right around five and a half to six rebounds per game, and I do think that he's going to be able to rise up a little bit. This is someone that thus far this year, he's only been able to give you right around four and a half boards. He's been a little bit off his game, so I do think that he's going to be able to get into this game. I think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job. You also take a look at the rest of this UIC bunch, and what has been also very good, Kevin Johnson. He wants to coming in as a transfer from Nichols. Last year, average right around two and a half steals per game. Hasn't done as much of that, but he has been a really good glue guy for the team. A guy that's been able to give you right around six assists, 12 points per game. Not necessarily the world's greatest three-point shooter, but with Zion Griffin being able to shoot it from three-point range, I think that it's going to be very good for this team as well. And then James Ahale has been able to give you right around 10 starts for this team. He's able to give you a couple rebounds, a couple assists, so good mixer and shaker. I just think that you've got an IUPUI team that they are deserving of being in the bottom five in all of college basketball. They're down there with our good friends, Mississippi Valley State. Shout out to them because they're actually going to be playing on this Monday. and They wound up getting a win, so they are not the last winless team in all of college basketball. We're actually going to be seeing them in action. And the lone winless team in college basketball, Prairie View A&M, they're between an 11.5 and a 12.5 point favorite, which if that doesn't make sense to you, it probably shouldn't. But that's because Prairie View that winds up playing like 57 by games in a season. They just wind up playing against all these teams that you know are going to blow them out. They do it to be able to pretty much fund all of their athletics. So that actually explains why they've got such a very, very bad record. But in this spot, speaking of a team that has a very, very bad record, that's IEPY, and I don't think it's going to get any better. I'm willing to lay up tonight here with UIC. And I set this total up more around a 119. There's just no taking overs with IUPUI. Unless if you think either A, the other team is going to be able to get like north of 80 points, or B, IUPUI winds up getting north of 60, or C, they wind up setting these totals more 
around like a 115 or something like that. They really need to be diving down on this number. So I'm taking a look at IUP or I'm taking a look at UIC and I'm going to be taking a look at an under. Another game that I think is intriguing because you've got one of the slower teams in college basketball going at it in this one. And you've got another bottom 15 team in all of college basketball. So Monday is going to be where the tomato cans try to rise up from getting kicked around. That'd be Nebraska Omaha hitting the road face off against UMKC. This is a UMKC bunch that they've had a couple games postponed due to COVID-19 protocols. They wound up opening up an 11 half point favorite. We've seen a line move on this game in favor of Omaha. They are anywhere between a nine and a half to a 10 point favorite now. And the total on this game is 141. If you notice that exhale, that's me just trying to sit here and not be like you morons for betting on Nebraska Omaha. Now, Omaha was able to get a nice win against North Dakota, and they have knocked off Western Illinois this season, but I take a look at this Omaha team, and they are legitimately one of the worst teams out there in all of college basketball. Meanwhile, you take a look at this UMKC bunch, and they actually have redeeming qualities about them. Emma Gilliard, who winds up coming in from New Mexico State. He's been able to get the team right around 12 points per game, has been able to do a very solid job for this bunch, I think that he's going to be able to have himself a relatively solid game. And this one, Josiah Alec has dealt with a little bit of injury this season, but someone that stands right around six foot eight, he's been able to bury right around 36, 37% of his threes. He's a double figure scorer, so he's been able to do a nice job. I do think that Billy Tomlin, the coach of this team, is actually relatively solid. And he's been able to bring in Anderson Kopp, who was playing last season at Lamar, and he's been a good sharp shooter for this team. He's been able to bury 37.5% of his threes, more like actually 50 or 45% of his series, right around 9.5 points per game. He's been able to do a really good job there, along with Marvin Nesbitt, who's been able to get quite a few starts for the team. He's been able to chip in there right around 8-9 to nine points per game. And then and take a look at this Omaha team, and you do have Felix Lametti, who's been able to give you 10.5 points per game. Has actually been able to do a good job recently for this team, but I think it's going to be really intriguing is the total on this one, because you've got an Omaha team that they're really not looking to push a tempo. They've just been giving up, like, 75-plus points on the drop of a hat. It's been just them playing relatively no defense whatsoever. Meanwhile, you've got a UMKC bunch at, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, one of the solar teams in all of college basketball. They are clocking in at 310th with that regard. I wound up setting my total a little bit lower as a result. I do think that Oma is going to have a tough time scoring on. A UMKC bunch at is re- actually relatively solid with regards to their defense. And you, then you take a look at Oma, and they actually don't shoot it terribly from three-point range. 300 or 33.2% from three-point range. So maybe they will give you a little bit of something there, but 320th with regards to field goal shooting percentage. They turn the ball over 14 times per game. They really don't have anyone to facilitate the offense, and they don't have the defense to be able to help generate offense. By that, I mean they don't wind up getting live ball turnovers. They generate 4.8 seals per game out of 358 D1 teams. That ranks 337th. So going to be a big issue. They also don't wind up getting a lot of second chances. This team is getting absolutely bludgeoned on the glass. As a matter of fact, you've got one guy that has been able to give you more than 4.8 rebounds per game. That would be Kyle Ludke. He's been able to do a relatively solid job on the glass. Nobody else gives you more than 4 rebounds per game. I think that they are just going to get destroyed with that aspect. I think that it's going to be a very long year for Nebraska Omaha. And when it comes to Omaha, I feel like they should be a very sizable underdog. I set them more around to 15 personally, so I disagree with the line move here. I'm going to be taking a look at UMKC, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well, set my total more around to 133. And when it comes to the Summit League, other game that we're going to be having out there for Monday is the Battle of Dakotas, North Dakota versus South Dakota. And I want to mention the fact that I think that Omaha is a bottom 10 team in all of college basketball. North Dakota lost to Omaha by north of 15 points a few days ago. And honestly, the final score wasn't representative of how big of a beatdown it was 
Paul Burns is able to do a relatively solid job for the North Dakota team. 881, 882 on the betting board, by the way. South Dakota finding themselves a five-point favorite. I wound up saying this line as a result of an 11.5. You've got A.J. Pleasewood, who's been out of the fold all season long for South Dakota, but Someone like Itazos Camateros has been able to do a very solid job. Nine points, five rebounds, good versatility. North Dakota, they're legitimately a bottom 20 team in all of college basketball. Looking to fade them as well in the final segment here of the look at. We're going to give you guys a little bit more marquee games. We're going to be taking a look at the college football national championship. Take a look at my New York Post play of the day out there on the hardwood as well. And that is coming up next right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. VSN has a great new offer to help make this be your best betting year ever. Our all new big game, big day, and special provides VSN plus all access to everything that we do now through April 5th, and you get it all for just $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting splits breakdown of every single game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the season, so don't miss out on one of the best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to be able to sign up today as it is the final segment right here of The Look at Greg Peterson filling in for Scott Steinberg tonight. Sounds like I'll be back tomorrow as well. If I don't wind up being back tomorrow, I do apologize, but with that said, Hey, whenever they put me on the schedule, I am always happy to be here. I always love to be able to chat with you all, work with so many great people here at VSIN. It's always a pleasure, and it is a pleasure that we've got so much great action for this Monday. How about if we start out with the big national title game with regards to college football? Wanted up running through this a little bit last hour, so this will be in a little bit less depth because I want to hit on my New York Post play for college basketball as well. But you've got the Georgia-Alabama game. Total on this game, finding it anywhere between 52.5 and 53. 2.5 to 3 is a line, and I don't think that the points are going to be needed. I think that Alabama is going to be able to win this game outright. Nick Saban, 5-1 and one in the six career games that he has been an underdog at Alabama. And ironically enough, coming into this year, the last time he was an underdog, a, an underdog pretty much anywhere, that was against Georgia. Last two times he has faced Georgia as an underdog, it has not went well for our good friends, the Bulldogs. And I think that that is going to be the case once again here. You just take a look at it. I don't want to just poo-poo this. I don't want to make it too simple. But you've got a team that's quarterbacked by Stetson Bennett, and you've got a team that's coached by Nick Saban. And right now, Nick Saban's the underdog. 
I mean, there are just some things I feel like we could simplify a little bit when it comes to handicapping. Now, you want to be taking a look a little bit more at the statistics when it comes to total, in my opinion, because this is a Georgia defense that they've allowed 17 points or fewer in every game that they've played other than that SEC title game. They're historically good defense. No offense or buts about it. I don't know if I'll call it the number one defense all time in college football because we always have overreactionary people and things like that, but I mean, it is a really, really stinking good defense, but you take a look at Alabama as well, and they've been able to rein it in quite a bit recently as well. They wound up having a very good showing against Cincinnati. Now, the Cincinnati offense, I feel like, was a little bit overrated. I was never really in on Desmond Ritter. I felt like he got just put on a little bit more of a pedestal than he maybe deserved, but I do take a look at what you're able to get out of this Alabama defense. I do think that they're going to be able to do a good job in the secondary. Now, Missing John Michi, I do think it's going to be a little bit of an issue for Alabama, and I do think that that leads to a little bit of a better chance that we wind up getting an under in this game. I'm going to be riding with the under personally, but I do think that when it comes to the Alabama Crimson Tide, I think that they're going to be able to do a very nice job when it comes to their front seven of being able to get a little bit of pressure on Setson Bennett. As we remember, Setson Bennett, first time around, he did wind up having a pair of interceptions in that game, and I mean, when it comes to this Alabama team, you wound up having Will Anderson Jr. rack up 17 and a half sacks. I mean, it's just been absolutely insane what he's seen, what we've seen out of him. He's had at least one sack in each of the last five games for this team, so he has certainly been able to eat it up and just take a look at this Alabama team in general. They're a team that they do a relatively solid job of being able to force quite a few turnovers. They wound up getting 15 interceptions during the season, obviously, Georgia. I mean, what more needs to be said about this defense? The front seven is absolutely nasty. The secondary, it is very, very skilled. But Bryce Young is the big elixir. There's a big reason why he wound up getting that Eisman Trophy. And the reason why is because he was the only guy that was able to carve up this Georgia defense all season long. Now, when you take a look at the offense of Georgia, I think that their best path to victory here is going to be able to get their running backs going. You don't necessarily have one guy that totes the rock and is going to be giving you 25-plus carries, but you do have to like what you've seen out of someone like Azimir Wright, a guy that's been able to average a little bit over five yards per carry. James Cook has been able to do a solid job all season long for this team. He's been able to get right around six yards per carry in that game that they wound up playing against Alabama earlier. He wound up going off for 11 carries and 38 yards. Actually, wound up only seeing six carries in that game against Michigan. They use him sort of in a small dose high efficiency sort of role. So I do think that that's going to be really intriguing to take a look at. And first time around, Georgia wound up running the ball 30 times. They wound up throwing it 48. I think that if they wind up reversing that, that is probably going to be their best path to victory. But also for Alabama in that game, Brian Robinson did wind up playing. He had 18 carries for 55 yards, but there were reports that he was a little bit banged up coming into that game. He wound up having a relatively solid game when he wound up facing off against Cincinnati over 200 yards on the ground. I think that he's going to look better in this game as well. So I do think that we're going to see a little bit more of a ground game from both sides. I do think that Alabama is getting... A little bit undervalued with their defense. I do think that it's a Georgia team that is going to be able to get a little bit more pressure on Bryce Young. The big reason why Bryce Young was able to be so good in that game against Georgia. Georgia had zero sacks in that game. I can't see a scenario in which you wind up having Georgia wind up getting six or zero sacks once again. Because, I mean, you take a look at what they wound up doing in the regular season. They wound up having 45 sacks in their game. So they're racking up right around three and a half per contest. But this is actually a secondary that wound up having fewer interceptions than the Alabama secondary as well. So that does stick out to me a little bit. I do think that Alabama winds up winning the turnover battle because I don't think that Bryce Young turns the ball over. I do think that Seth Bennett has more like one turnover in this game. I don't think that he's going to turn the ball over twice, but I do think that he has one 
one. So take a look at Alabama on the money line. I just can't pass up Nick Saban at a plus price. And I do think that the under is going to be able to come through as well. And speaking of unders, that's what I'm going to be looking at for the New York Post play for this Monday. We are going to be going out to the Pac-12 for really the lone... I guess you call it power conference game in college basketball. You've got Oregon, and they're going to be hitting the road face off against Oregon State. When it comes to Oregon, you're finding them anywhere between a six to a six half point favorite. And your total on this game is held relatively stagnant, anywhere between a 140 and a half and 141. This is a line that has moved relatively much when it comes to the total. I've seen a little bit of a move on the side, opened up with Oregon being a six and a half point favorite. And I disagree with the move. I wound up setting this line at seven just because with Oregon State, they have been able to get a couple wins. They wound up being able to knock off Utah and Nichols, but I mean, that's not necessarily a whole bunch of wins to be able to write home about. They've been relatively awful all season long. You've literally got two players on this Oregon State team that are able to average more than three rebounds per game. Meanwhile, you take a look at Oregon and you don't have a single guy that gives you more than 5.2 rebounds per game, but it seems like Quincy Garrier is doing a little bit of a better job down low. You haven't necessarily had a reliable offense when it comes to Oregon, though. They are 77th in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, which isn't necessarily bad, but you take a look at the work that they've done outside of Eugene. They're in the bottom 15 out of 358 D1 teams in points scored on a per-possession basis in their games away from home. That is absolutely terrible. Now, you take a look at the flip side for Oregon State, and you don't have a lot of offense with this team either. They shoot right around 31 to 32% for three. Jared Lucas has been able to give you 14 points per game. He's a good three-point shooter at over 40%, but other than he, you really don't have much else. And you've got an Oregon team that the big thing for them is that they're coached by Dana Altman. It has been a really bad year for both of these teams, a pair of teams that made the second week of the NCAA tournament last year. If there's a guy that I have faith is going to be able to figure it out, though, it's Dana Altman. Now, do I think that Oregon is going to be doing what they wound up doing a few seasons ago during the 2019 NCAA tournament, making the Sweet 16 after they just looked all out of sorts after Bull Bull went down with his injury? No, I don't think we're going to see anything to that extent, but I mean, you've got some solid pieces. Will Richardson has been able to shoot right around 45% from three-point range. He's been leading the team with 13.5 points per game. It's an Oregon team that they don't necessarily turn the ball over a ton. Right around 12, 12 12.5-ish turnovers per game. That's something that is relatively sustainable. Jacob Young has been able to give you 10 points per game. A lot Davion Harmon. Harmon seems to be feeling a little bit more comfortable with this offense as well. And getting back in Folly Dante, who wound up missing the beginning part of the season due to injury, is big. He's got a lot of talent. I feel like it's a little bit of something that needs to be unearthed a bit more. But I do think that as the games go along, he's getting better and better. And when it comes to Oregon State, I just don't think that they're going to be a team that winds up finding it as well. Keep in mind, with Oregon State, when they wound up making the NCAA tournament, I think that that was the 2016 NCAA tournament next year. They were legitimately one of the worst power conference teams that we had seen in recent memories. I don't think that they're necessarily going to be quite that level bad because, fortunately, Georgia, a team coached by Tom Crean, exists. So that is helping them out. And Missouri wound up winning a game against Alabama, but they've been relatively bad as well. But I take a look at this spot, and I really like the under. That's what I wound up dishing out for the New York Post. I wound up setting this total more around a 127. So it is certainly going to be a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at an under. And with Oregon, I'm willing to lay up to seven with them. So I'm willing to lay the points. And then if you're taking a look at the rest of the college basketball betting board, wind up hitting upon these a little bit earlier in the show. Wind up setting my total in UNC Greensboro versus Wofford. 
More around a 128. We're seeing that at a 125.5. I do like that total over. I'm willing to lay up to 10 when it comes to East Tennessee State. It's single digits. I am in on them. This is a line that opened up at 7.5. We're now finding it more around 9 to 9.5. So we're going to be keeping our eyes there. And I'm always keeping my eyes on everything that we've got here at the network. If you're listening to me live, well, you get three more hours of Greg Peterson. If you're listening to the replay, Follow the Money is going to be up next. Michael Lombardi is going to be their first guest on that show. And boy, oh boy, are those guys going to have a lot to say with regards to what we wound up seeing in the NFL on Sunday and what we're going to be seeing moving forward. And we've got you covered with everything that we that you need in every single sport right here at VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This 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 At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.